that is great this morning, and I love those uh, songs, and I love how they just draw us to what it's all about when we gather together. And I love Gary, and um, and Gary, and for those of you who don't know, and is that for me, I when I look over, I see Gary playing. Um, I know how many times he has come into the church at night, and he learned to practice the drums. Uh, some of the early times I came in, I thought, oh, he'll never make it, but um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. That's, Gary, that's not true. Well, maybe a little bit, but, but then he kept practicing, he kept practicing, he kept practicing, and it's so great to see you there this morning and playing the drums, and I just wanted you to know as a church family, that's... Um, and that's the kind of church we are, and if there's a space that needs to be filled and some help needs to be done, I just, I just celebrate that, and so thank you, Gary. I hope I didn't embarrass you this morning, but um, so that's great. Well, listen, Pastor Andrew did a great job last week talking about how we can learn to think like Jesus, and this week we want to continue our series about rethinking your life and I'm so glad you're here this weekend. I'm so glad you're here this morning and so glad those are listening online that you're a part of us today because you can make a difference in your life by the way that you are thinking about certain things. And, um, and so I want you to be uh, encouraged in your faith. I want you to be uh, excited in your faith. I don't want you to be the kind of Christian that is just kind of barely scraping by and somehow can't really connect with the promises that God has for us. But I want you to realize that this faith that we profess is meant to be vibrant and alive, a faith, faith, uh, faith that's full of hope and, and that we celebrate that not only in the good times but also in the bad times. And, uh, and I want us to have that kind of faith-walking uh, experience with Christ. And uh, our God is so good to us and, and He has so much He wants to say to us. And so to this week, in this series, we're going to talk about together about how to rethink your view of God. Rethink your view of God. And I'm going to say right at the beginning that some of us, we get a totally wrong perspective of who God is. And, and for many of us, sometimes we think of God based on our circumstances. If our circumstances are good, we say, oh, God is so good. Because our circumstances are good. But if our circumstances aren't so good, some people say, well, if that's what your God is like, I don't know, uh, he can't be a very good God, or, or he doesn't exist. You know? And we base our perspective on God sometimes on our circumstances. But that's not the way you do it. God himself has shown us so much in his word. He has given us everything we need to know about him right here within his word, the Bible. And he doesn't try to hide who he is. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to kind of guess who he is. He wants you to know him. And, and the, the key to having that uh, dynamic walk with God is having the correct view of God. I love what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer famously said, he says, what comes into your minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's pretty powerful. Whether we're young or old, what is it that comes into your mind when you think about God? And for some of us, when we think about God, we just have all kinds of scary things come into our mind, and that, but it may not be the right thing. 
And for other uh, in this world where sometimes people love to talk about, you know, God is love and they don't want to think about, about God's justice. They like to think about his love and, and, and all that sort of thing. And, and sometimes we can have our view of God out of balance because God is love and we're going to talk about that. And, but God is also a God of justice, a God of holiness. And we're going to talk about that. So, so when it comes to looking and rethinking our view of God, the good news here this morning is that we don't have to guess who God is. And I say it again, God has told us everything about himself. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to sort of say, uh, you know, God, what is it that you're like? I, I just don't understand you, God. And God says, well, read my word. I'll tell you. And so based on what God has shown us today, I want to give you um, six ways that rethinking your view of God will change your life. And I, I literally mean that. If you have the right view of God, it will change your life. And because when we have the right view of God, it will help us to have the right view of dealing with our problems. We'll be able to have the right view or perspective about our future. If you have the right view of God, you'll have the, the right way of handling relationships in your life. And the way that you run your life is so much connected to your view of God. And we're going to talk about that. And so these six things, okay, and you're thinking, man, how's he ever, hey, I don't have a, I don't have a watch this morning, so I'm, I'm oh, there's a clock, okay. Um, I thought you guys were really going to get it today. But, but these six things, I'm going to go through them very quickly, but each one has so much depth to it that I can't possibly, um, you know, spend all the time we need to on it. And usually preachers say that when they don't have much to say. There's so much here that I can't spend time. It usually means they don't have anything to say. All right. But in reality today, these six things are just so key to really um, changing your life. Not, not your spouse, not somebody else, but your life. And I think today in the church and in our world, we need to rethink our view of God. So let's jump into these, and hopefully they'll be helpful to you. And if you have your notes, uh, for those listening online, you can click the notes tab there on the platform, and you can get our notes for today. And uh, of course, the rest of us are here today. I've sent them out to you, so if you don't have them, it's your own fault. All right. So, uh, so let's look at these six things. Number one, we need to accept His unconditional love. God is love. Hallelujah. He loves us, and I'm just so thankful for that. And that means that if you're going to rethink your, rethink your view of God, then when you look at God's love, you need to first and foremost think about His unconditional love. It's unconditional. So what does that mean? What it means when God loves us unconditionally, it means that you can't do anything to earn it. As a matter of fact, God loved you while you were at your worst, when you are at the bottom of the bottom, God still loves you and you are still made in the image of God. And he has an incredible purpose for which he has for your life. And so when you think about God, we need to recognize that God has an unconditional love for us. Now, when we're at the bottom and we're not living the way God wants us to be in his love, he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to be radically changed. He wants us to be more Christ-like and to follow in his steps. But even before we do that, God loves us. 
And folks, there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's unconditional. It's not conditioned on anything that you look like or smell like. It's a gift that God gives to you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, and by the way, Isaiah 55 that Pastor Andrew read is sort of some of the key text that draws us into really recognizing that God's ways are different than our ways. And so we need to change our perspective on God. We need to begin to say, Lord, what are your thoughts when it comes to you? And so Pastor Andrew read that great text there in Isaiah 55, 3 to 9, and it ties into the overall theme of what I'm sharing to you today. Then in addition to that, I want to give you some other passages like Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved by faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast about it. I love that. God's unconditional love is not something you can earn. It's not based on your status in life or how big your bank account is. God loves you regardless of who you are. And you have to earn a living, but you cannot earn his love. God is unconditional in his love for us. And you can't earn hope, but hope can be provided for you if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can't earn his grace. You can't earn his assurance. You can't earn his forgiveness. You can't earn the, the power of faith. They're a gift that God wants to give you if you would simply pray a simple prayer and humble yourself and say, Lord, I've messed up. I want to put my life under your um, management, under make you Lord. And through that simple act of faith, we can begin to receive this gift that God has for us. And so as we think about rethinking our view of God, folks, remember that no matter in your darkest hour, that God always, 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 always loves you. Never question that. Never think twice about it. His unconditional love for us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this, For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. God's never is different than our never. You ever have someone say to you, oh, I'll, I'll never, I'll never, you know, stab you in the back, or I'll never, you know, do this or do that, and they, and they turn around and do that very thing they say they will never do. Well, that's not God. God's never is different. When he says never, he means never. And so today I want to encourage us as a people, and I know that all of us are on a different pathway in our spiritual lives, but don't forget God's unconditional love for you. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because he loved us. Are you okay with that one? Can you handle that one? All right, number two. We need to appreciate his holiness. And so when we say God is holy, what we're saying is that God is completely perfect. God is completely pure. He does not make mistakes, folks. And you may be here this morning and say, you know, that's the way I feel about my life. Why am I here? I feel like I'm a mistake. That's not true. That's a lie. That's a lie that comes from Satan to, to devalue us and make us feel worthless as, as people made in the image of God. But our God is a holy God, and we need to appreciate his holiness. And, and a part of that is recognizing that there is no trace of evil in his character. God's holiness is to say that he is entirely unique in his greatness. Because there is nobody in heaven and on earth 
in all of this universe, there is nobody that compares to the greatness of our God. God is a holy God, but we need to appreciate his holiness. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse, uh, yeah, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2 says this, no one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. There used to be a song that we would sing, there is no rock like our God, and I love to sing that song, you know, and, um, and so, but we need to appreciate his holiness and, and who he is and, and that there is no one like him. Now, the reason we need to appreciate his holiness, because when we appreciate his holiness and that he is holy and pure, you're probably thinking, well, what am I? I'm unholy and impure. Why would God want anything to do with me? Well, that's why we need to appreciate his holiness as we begin to look further into it. This holiness means that when God, first of all, promises to do something, you can take it to the bank. Because God is not fickle, because God is faithful to his word, and because he, what he says he will follow through on, you can take it to the bank. And so when God says he's going to do something, when he puts his name on it, and he stamps his name on it, God is going to follow through on it, and he's not going to let his name be tarnished. You can count on it. And folks, this morning, when you think about the holiness of God, you have a God that you can count on. You have a God that you can say, you know what, my God says, according to his word, this, and I can take it to the bank. And so when we talk about appreciating his holiness, I'm thankful that we have a God that is not constantly changing. Some of the religions of the world, I don't know how they even deal with it. You know, if, you, if you're into multideism and you've got all kinds of different gods for different things and they're always shifting and changing, man, I would be so confused, I wouldn't know which end is up. But the God of the Bible is one who says, you know what, I am the same yesterday as I am today as I will be tomorrow. You can count on me, and that's a part of his holiness. Psalm 33, verse 21 says, in him our hearts rejoice. Do your hearts rejoice in God this morning? It says, for we trust in his holy, holy name. I don't know about you, but I feel like kicking up my heels a little bit on that one. I have a God that I can count on. And for that reason, we can celebrate and we can appreciate his holiness. But I also recognize, even as I begin to talk about this subject, there is a problem. And that problem is, I've already alluded to it, is that when we begin to hear that God is a holy God and that he's pure and perfect, we do know, and we know within ourselves without anybody telling us, we are unholy. We are, we are full of imperfections. So why would a holy God want anything to do with me? Why, if, he, if God knows my thoughts and, and what I'm struggling with, if he knew the things that I have done in my past, why would this God want anything to do with me? Well, you know what? It brings us to another point of why we need to appreciate his holiness. Because when you think about that very question, why would a holy God want anything to do with me? Isn't that what salvation is all about? Isn't that why Jesus died on the cross? God is holy. We're unholy. Jesus came to bridge that gap. He came by his grace and his mercy and by the sacrifice he made there at Calvary. He came to take us who placed our faith in Jesus so that God sees us not as unholy, but we too become holy. That we can live a holy life. And that we can 
be recognized by God as, as people who are holy. And the word holy means to be set apart for his purpose. Boy, I appreciate the fact that God was sent his son to die on a cross so that me and my sin could be forgiven so that God could now accept me and fellowship with me and have a relationship with me. Hallelujah. That is great news. That is good news for all of us. So God's holiness is something, folks, we need to appreciate. And, and in this day and age, a lot of people, they like to put God down and say, God, holiness, you know, he can't relate. He, he has no connection with the way we live our lives every day. That's not true. The God that I'm talking about is a God that you can count on. And you can count on him because of his holiness. Number three, we need to trust his judgment. Wow. We need to trust his judgment. How many times have we said when something happened, why God? Why is this happening? But we need to trust his judgment. And most people, when it comes to this particular point, we get this wrong. Because when we think about God and our view of God, and we think about God's judgment, we immediately think of his wrath. He's an angry God. You know, He's the one that's always mad at us. He's the one that has got a big club, and he's going to hit you as soon as he gets a chance. So when we think about trusting his judgment, as soon as we hear that word judgment, we think of his anger and wrath. And let me be clear. God, there are things that make him angry. There are things that grieve the heart of God. There are things that, that he will not let go unpunished. That's who he is in his holiness again. But we need to trust his judgment, folks. As we think about changing our lives, sometimes we can change the best when we begin to trust God and his judgment for us. But his judgment, we think, is wrath. But if we really want to understand God's judgment, we need to start with his wisdom. That's where I would encourage you this morning to realize that this God of the Bible is a God who is... The pinnacle of wisdom. He is the one who knows everything. God created everything. He understands everything. He knows what and why everything was made for. And he knows how it works. And folks, I want to say to you this morning as well, online as well, for those living, listening to us there at home, God knows what's best for us in every single situation. He knows what's best for us. Romans chapter 9, verse 20 and I'm reading it from the message, which is a paraphrase. It says this, and I love this. Who in the world do you think you are to second-guess God? i got to be honest. When I read that, I just, I even stopped, and I said, Lord, forgive me for those times that I second-guessed thinking that you didn't know what, you're, what you were doing. It goes on, it says, Do you for one moment oppose any of us Suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question. Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it, saying, why did you shape me like this? This morning, I know that in this day in which we live, there are lots of people who roam our community. There may be some of us that are sitting here this morning or some that are listening online. That you are in that place where you're thinking, God, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I want to encourage you today that if you want to come through it and be victorious, you need to trust his judgment. 
Trust what God is doing. He knows everything. Whatever your situation that you're going through, God understands and God already has the best solution in the works for you. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 17 says this, be patient. I, I particularly don't like that one, but be patient when you're being corrected. This is how God treats his children. Don't all parents correct their children? You know, or if I was going to rewrite that, shouldn't all parents correct their children? Uh, Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. We think sometimes that we have the right way and, and God doesn't know what he's doing. Why? God, I, I'm so mad at you, God. I don't know why this is happening. And we fail to trust his judgment. We think he's wrong. And we think we have the right way, but in the end it is wrong. And the scripture says it oftentimes leads to death, harm. Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 6 says, Think about him, referring to God. In all your ways, he will guide you on the right path. Folks, this morning, God in his judgment has the very best solution for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, you need to trust his judgment. And we need to realize that trusting his judgment and trusting the judgment of God is accepting his wise protection in our lives. God is not a warden of some prison that we need to escape from. God's not like that. And some people think that God is like that. I've got to escape from him. He's going to keep me in prison. He's a, he's a killjoy. He's going to take away all the great things I want to do. And, but you know what? God and his judgment, he knows what's best for us. So he's not a warden that you need to escape from. He's a wonderful father you need to trust in. You need to trust in. Do you have the right perspective of God today? Are you trusting this wonderful father? Or are you still trying to escape from him, run from him, question him? You need to trust his judgment. Number four. Are you having a good time? I'm having a good time. Okay. Number four, you need to understand his timing. The reality is that there are a lot of horrific things that we endure. And maybe even some of you today, you know, maybe you could barely make it here this morning because life is tough for you. And there's lots of challenges that you're going through. It could be emotional challenges, physical challenges. There could be all kinds of tough things that, that we're all struggling with. And, but we need to understand that God's timing is perfect. And, and some of us, as we go through some difficult seasons in our life, uh, maybe you're wondering, why does God in his timing, why does he let me go through this? Why hasn't he rescued me from this? Why hasn't he changed my circumstances? Why don't I have that job? Or why don't I have that person that I'm making Google eyes with across the room? Why haven't I have been able to date that person yet? Or, you know, whatever. And so we begin to question God's timing on things, and, and, and we wonder, why is, why is God taking so long? Why? I, again, I, I think we probably, all of us have been at that stage wondering, God, your timing, are you sure you know, that you've got the right timing? And God says yes. Matter of fact, when we bought this building, we were trying to find other rental locations, and we had exhausted everything, and, and we were about, and I used my words carefully, we were about to settle 
for the, we, what we thought was the only option available for us. And we were going to rent some other place that would have been really a, just a huge mistake. Then all of a sudden, on the day I was going to sign the papers for that building, in the morning I got up and I said, I wonder if there's anything... On, love my typing? I, I wonder if there's anything... I wonder if there's anything on the commercialrealtor.ca, and they should pay me for that. And, and so when I went on the commercial section, the very day that I looked, the one last time, this building was available. And I knew instantly, without even thinking about it, God, your timing's perfect. And came the very same day, got in, looked through the building, and I knew I had goosebumps on my goosebumps on my goosebumps. I knew that God was in this. And so we said to the other people, goodbye. And we bought this building. And all the pieces, I cannot tell you, and I celebrate how all the pieces came together so quickly for us to be here. Is it still a struggle? Yes. But you know what? It's the right struggle. It's worth it. To, to be able to have this and to go through it. And so we sometimes question God's timing. We need to understand that his timing is always perfect. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your hearts take courage. And then it says it again, wait for the Lord. God says to wait for him. Don't give up in your circumstances. Folks, I want to encourage you. God's timing is perfect. It may not feel that way. But you know what? God sees the whole picture. He sees the big picture. When you see just a little perspective of it, he sees it all. And we need to trust his timing. A couple other passages that I, maybe I put in your notes. Second uh, Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises as some think that he is. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. And of course, Isaiah 55, verse 8, we read this morning, where he talks about, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. So this morning, I want to encourage you, as you rethink your view of God, understand his timing is perfect. Trust him in it. Number five, you need to respect his strength. Our God is a mighty God. And sometimes we just don't respect his strength. And I want to give you a couple of reasons why I say that. We need to respect God's strength because God is strong. I mean, I, I am, I'm not the most literate person when it comes to choosing words. All I could think of is, God, you're strong. You know, you're mighty. All right? And, and we need to be reminded that the God that we talk about, the God that we sing to, the God that we give our tithes and offerings to, the God that we ask us to go to uh, work with every day, who helps us to raise our families, and the God that helps us to overcome our addictions and to make our marriages and relationships better. This God is a mighty God. There is nothing too difficult for him. He's powerful. And when we learn to respect his strength we begin to understand that we can run to him. We can go and put ourselves in his care because in his presence there is safety and security because he is a powerful God. And so res respecting his strength means that I can lean on him for help when I'm in trouble. And folks, I just encourage you to understand that. When, 
You respect his strength. You will lean on him. If you think that the God we talk about every Sunday or the God we read about in the Bible is not mighty and not powerful, we won't run to him. We won't see him as a place of safety and security. We'll run to our best friends. We'll run to the counselors. We'll run everywhere else except to God. But folks, we can go to him because he is mighty. There is nothing too difficult for him. And so that's what it means to respect his strength. The second reason And this is quite interesting to me as I was studying for this. Respecting God's strength means I quit pretending he is weak. Quit pretending he is weak. I quit pretending that he's weak and doesn't notice when I take him for granted. I quit pretending that I can live any way I want and I'm never going to be held accountable because God's not going to do that because, you know, is he really really going to be like that? And so when we see God as someone that is weak and we don't respect his strength, we take him for granted and we start pretending we can do whatever we want because the love of God will oversee everything and and, and it doesn't matter because God's not really going to follow through on what he says. Folks, that's not true. We need to quit pretending that this God that we talk about is somehow weak and that we can fool him and that he's not really going to hold us accountable because he will. And so we need to respect his strength. Romans 2.4, uh, again in the, in, in the message, uh, in the paraphrase, it says this. Or did, you, or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'll let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand, and he leads us into radical life change. I like that. So... This morning, if you're waiting for God to send lightning bolts into your life before you change, I want you to know this God that I'm talking about this morning doesn't work that way. This God that I'm talking about, that in his power and in his might, he doesn't send the lightning bolts so that you and I are going, oh no, I better change. God wants us to realize that that's not how he works. That's not how he brings about change in his life. God in his kindness, he wants to lead us to repentance. In his patience, he wants us. To, in his patience, he's waiting for us to come to him. He lovingly and kindly leads us towards life change, and to really change, all starts with first respecting his strength. Powerful, because if we don't respect his strength, we'll never see him as someone worthy to run to. Finally, this morning. And these six things that will change your life if you have the right view and the right perspective. This final one, I love. We need to enjoy his presence. This morning as we were singing the songs, I got to tell you, I just, I, just, I just was enjoying here. And I just kept thinking in my mind, I hope Helen just keeps on singing. I hope the team just keeps on going. Because I was enjoying just singing about his, his presence and who he is. And as a church today, even in the midst of a pandemic, we need to enjoy his presence. God is here this morning. Do you enjoy his presence? God wants you to know that he enjoys being with you. God enjoys being with you, walking with you. Do you enjoy his presence in your life? He wants you to enjoy his presence. Psalm 16 verse 11 says this, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, 
There it is. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. God is close to us. Do you feel him? Do you sense him? Are you enjoying his presence? He's not out there beyond the farthest star where we can never really be close to him. He is right here as close as your heartbeat in your chest. God is close. And so as we think about this God and as we think about our view, to him, our view of him, we need to realize that he's just not somebody that's out there. God is right here. Right here with us. So this morning, are you enjoying his presence? Because if you're not enjoying his presence and you're just kind of up here, you know, going through all the motions and you know facts about God, but you don't really know him here, then you're never really going to enjoy his presence. And never really recognize that he's close. This morning, I want to close with this thought. The Bible is not a history book. I know, I know there's lots of history in the Bible. I know there's lots of incredible details that um, in all the different sciences have been able to glean from the Bible. But the Bible is not a history book. I want to remind you this morning that essentially the Bible is a, is, is a love letter to us. It's a love letter to you, to me. And it's God's love letter to you. And when you have a relationship with the one who wrote the love letter, man, it's incredible. But you know what? Um, maybe I shouldn't say this on the live stream. I don't know if my sisters are listening, but uh, my sisters used to have their boyfriends write them letters, and I used to sneak in and kind of read their love letters, and I'm going... What a bunch of dribble. I mean, what is this all about? I mean, if that's what it's about, I'm not interested. I don't want a love letter. But you know what? When you're reading somebody else's love letter, it doesn't matter. It, doesn't, it has no connection. It doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything. But when someone writes you a love letter that you really love, you're kind of there and you're going, I wonder how it smells. Oh, man. Oh, and she used the word love. Oh, she underlined it. Oh, that is great. And it just means so much to you because it was written to you personally. And see, that's what God's done with the Bible. He wrote you and me a love letter. And it should mean a lot to us. And if we really enjoy it, we'll enjoy his presence. This morning, I'm working hard here. I'm getting a little bit of a bead of sweat on. Because I want you to celebrate the God of the Bible his love, his judgment, his timing, everything about him, his presence. I want you to have the right and correct view of God because when you do, you can handle life's problems. When you do, you can have healthy relationships. When you have the right perspective of God, you can deal with the, the past, you can deal with the present, you can deal with the future because you know that your God is a faithful God that will see you through. Hallelujah. A faithful God. But if you have a wrong view of God, you're going to struggle and you're going to miss it and you're going to fight the battles on your own. You're going to be feeling empty and shallow and left lonely and disappointed. But that's not what God wants. So this morning, let's stand together as we close out the service. Let's stand. I want to pray for you and then the worship team is going to close us in a closing song. But as I pray for us this morning... I want us to rethink our view of God 
so that we can be healthy and vibrant within our faith. Heavenly Father, this morning, thank you for being with us. Thank you that as we stepped across the threshold of this building, as we maybe even just sat down on the couch in our home to listen to the service, thank you that you are a faithful God and that you are here with us and that you're close and that you're ministering to us. Lord, right now, I'm very conscious of the fact that there may be somebody here within this service. They are struggling. Lord, I just ask that you'd help them to accept that unconditional love that you have for them. Help them to appreciate your awesome holiness. Help them to trust your judgment and how it's always right. Help us together as a congregation to understand that your timing is always, always, always perfect. God, this morning, we respect your powerful strength. And we tell you today, right from behind this pulpit at Spotlight Church, God, we respect your strength. We thank you that we can lean into you. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you did not abandon us and leave us alone. But you, Lord, you said, I will never abandon you. So, Father, today... We just thank you. And I ask that as we sing this closing song, as we have a cup of coffee together, as we take time to love each other and encourage one another, God, help us to do it because you so loved us that you gave your very son so that we could have this incredible life with you. God, today, help us not to take it for granted, but help us to be your children and to live as children of light in a world of darkness. God help us this day. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.